<clears throat> hey ladies, uh, no better late than never, right? But I'm here to finish up chapter 12 for you, starting on page 156. And what was that mindset? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeliness of men. And being found in a human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Does this sound as convicting to you as it does to me? A sacrifice requiring emptiness, ultimate meekness, devastating loneliness of heart. This wasn't merely a kind of act from Jesus for humankind. It was also intended to be an example, as in a move that his followers would consistently make. Inviting the death of self-centeredness, enduring the death of dreams, allowing for the death of hyper-consumerism, being least awesome, least liked, last. Jesus humbled himself deeply so that we'd be compelled to live lives of deep humility too. That is, if we choose. The Upside of Humility When we recognize we've bought into the lie of our own greatness and we make the shift to choose humility, we then follow the example of Jesus, who did not count equity, equality with God a thing to be grasped, who emptied himself, who took on the form of a servant, whom humbled himself, who became obedient to the point of death even on the cross. When we mimic the qualities that motivated these acts, we put God in his rightful place. We replace the lie of our greatness with the truth of who God is and how needy we are apart from him. Humility becomes the only logical posture of our hearts. The day after my little lashing out episode and under undeniable conviction from God, I pulled aside my coworker and asked for her forgiveness. I need to apologize for something I said yesterday. I started. I was wrong and I'm sorry. My reaction was really unfair. You know how I wondered whether maybe she hadn't even noticed the slight? Whether maybe she'd looked past it and just moved on? Yeah, not so much. Can I cool off for a while, she asked quietly, and then we can sit down and talk this out? I had hurt her deeply. She had been miserable for 24 hours. The Bible makes it clear that humility comes with benefits. But let me provide three specific benefits here, keeping that unfortunate situation with my coworker in mind. Humility helps us let go of being awesome. I know something about myself that I used to spend a lot of time trying to cover up. Get too close to me and I will disappoint you quickly and often. And while I hate that it's true, it is true. Pedestals make miserable homes, and the sooner my new coworker realized that she's working for a sinner who happens to be leading an organization and who happens to maybe snap at her one time and then feel terrible about it later, um, yeah, the better. Now, I am not justifying my behavior, but the truth is I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to be selfish and sometimes unthoughtful and short. I'm going to let her down. I'm going to want to do these things, and now and again they will happen. I'm absolutely going to screw up. How do I know these things? Because I've come to understand that I'm just not all that great. Before you rush to my defense, I think this understanding is the goal. Caring little about what you think about me. Caring little about what even I think about me. Do you know how much freedom we could experience if we prized these two simple truths?
My son Cooper is 10 years old and is walking, talking, impotent of self-importance. I adore that kid, but I stand by my assessment. I think we're all that way at 10 years old. We're big deals. At least we think we are. Middle school kids usually take care of such things, so I'm going to let it ride. Anyway, Cooper, who cares, about more, who cares more about clothes and shoes than his two teenage sisters combined, came downstairs the other morning wearing the fancy Air Jordan shoes that his grandmother bought him and reminded me that he needs a leather jacket. He's been asking for one for weeks. I don't know which of his basketball heroes he saw wearing a leather jacket, but now Cooper's life will not be complete until he has one of his own. I just want to be awesome, his pleading eyes say to me. And are you? And are you and I any different? At 10 years old, at 40 years old, our eyes say the same things. When I finally chose to humble myself with that coworker and ask her to forgive me for what I had done, I was relieved. I had done the backward thing God asked for us and the thing you and I tend to hate. I'd humbled myself. I'd apologized. I'd made the things right again. Just today, she and I were texting about our tiff, able to laugh about it now. I know that it's all the rage these days to talk about how amazing everyone is and how we're special and talented and enough, but I have to tell you, I don't find these ideas in Scripture. We find our enoughness only in Christ. If anything, God's Word tells us to camp out on the opposite view from one culture holds. When we were weak, it's actually a good thing because Christ's power is made more evident in us. I happen to think that this is fantastic news. I recently read an article about the problems that come with success. It included this quote from a man who, by earthly standards, has achieved awesomeness. Imagine life as two barometers, he said. One is how the world sees you. The other is how you feel about yourself. As your worldly position rises, your selfish selfish image crashes. People abuse themselves with fine food or drink or drugs or sex so they can avoid getting too successful. Why do CEOs who are sitting on the top of the world have a problem with self-esteem? It's simple. People who feel like bags of overcompensate and act like God's creation. Self-importance always self-implodes because we weren't built to live God like God's. Yet, with all the evidence against it, Achievement is still the most popular drug of our generation. Listen, this is a reason we don't like to hang out in nursing homes and hospitals. Oh, there is a reason. There's a reason we posture. There's a reason we buy stuff labeled anti-aging. There's a reason we drive more car, more car than we can afford. There's a reason we notice labels. We all want to be awesome, even as Christians and the only awesome, oh, oh, we all want to be awesome, even as Christ is the only awesome one. This is the one most freeing and rarely embraced truth to follow. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we get awesomeness as a part of the deal. We get his righteousness. We get forgiveness. We get rest. We get grace for our souls. Humility reminds us of this truth. It says, relax. Your only hope is Jesus. It is good news and grants us the exile we are all craving. Humility helps us to see people God sees as God sees them. Earlier I told you that one of the reasons I love Andrew Murray is that he had the courage to admit what you and I probably think from time to time, which is something along the lines 
of how am I supposed to be humble with them when they're so hurtful, annoying, and wrong? Here's the rest of his thinking on that. The question proves at once how little we understand what real loneliness of mind is. True humility comes when, in the light of God, we have seen ourselves to be nothing, have consented to be a part with and cast away self to be let God to let God be all. To cast away self, we don't use that phrase anymore, but it's a good one. It means to put our own concerns and considerations aside, to put them far from us, to put them on God. Matthew 6:33 promises as we cast away our worries, God promises to care for us. An amazing thing happens when we cast away self, which is then which is that we then have space to consider others. When we're not busy being consumed with ourselves, we notice other people in the world, people we might be able to serve. We see them with fresh perspective. We see their fragility and their need. When I woke up to the fact that I needed to apologize to that coworker, my empathy woke up too. In going to my teammate, acknowledging my mis- misstep and saying, will you please forgive me? I was able to see things from her sp- perspective. I was able to absorb how damaging and wrong my actions had been. The fiery Baptist preacher Charles Surgeon once said, You own spiritual beauty. Your own spiritual beauty may be very measured by what you can see in other people. It was only after I'd chosen to humble myself that I could see this coworker's frustration, her angst, and her pain. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Proverbs 4, 4 7 says, Humility gets both to us fast. Humility helps us treat people as Jesus would. There's a third benefit to choosing humility, which is that we can show up for those in need. We'll recall that. In response to my my apology, my colleague asked for some time to cool down. Apart from my posture of humility, who would indulge such a request? Do you need time to think about whether you'll accept my apology? At her request, I remember thinking, no, I want to make this better now. But guess what? It wasn't about me. She had every right to make that request. Humility says, not only do I see you, but I choose to evaluate your needs above mine. So I said, and eventually meant, of course, friend, take as much time as you need. I'll be here when you're ready to talk. An unlikely pleasure. Not long ago, my daughter Kate and I were talking about how a show we liked on Netflix when she said, I love it, but I also hate it, you know? She went on to say, that she's been realizing that the completely socially acceptance choice to veg out with Netflix is hardly a benign one. When I spend a night doing that, Kate said, instead of, say, reading my Bible or sitting with God in prayer, I get pointed in a totally different direction than than had I done the more life-giving thing. She laughed. I don't know if that makes me a nerd or what. We should all be nerdy, I said. Here's the thing. I believe the Bible... I want to live what it says. I want to be more like Jesus each day. And despite these noble intentions, the fact is, I can't conjure humility humility myself. There are a reason our first choice in this part of the book involved being still and seeking God. We can't become more like him apart from him imparting himself to us. Humility comes only when I choose to be with him and depend on him instead of buying the lie that I am enough. A favorite Bible dictionary of mine defines humility this way. A condition of loneliness or affliction in which one experiences a loss of power and prestige. It then clarifies the definition with this. 
Outside of biblical faith, humility in this sense would not usually be considered a virtue. Within the context of the Judeo-Christian tradition, however, humility is considered the proper attitude of human beings towards their Creator. Humility is a grateful and spontaneous awareness that life is a gift, and it is manifested as an ungrudging and hypothetical acknowledgement of absolute dependence upon God. Outside of biblical faith, humility would be lunacy. Who wants less power, less prestige? But within biblical faith, it is virtuous. This under the obedience of God. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to finish 162 and 163 on your own. I've got to stop for today. I'm going to finish it. I'm just not going to be able to record it.